Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. So, I want to start off by reading a passage this morning uh, from Mark 4, and the title of our message this morning is Encounter in the Storm. Encounter in the Storm. Now, judging by the way I heard y'all singing Raise the Hallelujah a minute ago, and it talks about praising Him in the storm, it sounded like there might be some folks who came to church this morning who have experienced storms in your life, or maybe you're right in the middle of one right now. Anybody would say, I'm in the middle of a storm in my life right now? Maybe that's why God put this message on my heart to bring to you today. So, so Mark 4, I'll just read this to you, verses 35 through 41. Since that day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, he's going over to the other side of the lake. The, the sea, I say lake, is the Sea of Galilee, which is kind of like a lake. But he's going over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee because he's been preaching and great crowds have showed up. And, and he's been ministering to so many people. And so he, he's going to go to the Sea of Galilee, go to the other side, which is a big lake. They've traveled this thing lots and lots and lots and many times. And if he goes to the other side, there's no, there's no towns, no cities on the other side. So he can get away from the crowd and kind of find some rest for his spirit there. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was exhausted, worn out from ministering in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Verse 37. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Go ahead, Jesus. Sleep right in the middle of that thing. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. There is so much in that little story, man. There is so much about a wind and a storm. There is so much about your life right now. For those of you who raised your hand and said, I'm going through a storm. I hope, I hope God unpacks everything that he's bubbling up in my spirit. Even as I read that, I don't know if I could even get it all out to you. So we're going to try. We're going to go into this. And I believe God wants to help some people who are dealing with some storms right now. Speaking of storms, it's that time of year where, where the hurricanes are starting to pop up. Even this morning, like last night, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the news and I see Hurricane Hillary, right? Popping up. You see this thing is hurricane that's coming up through Mexico. When has there ever been a, a hurricane that hits Mexico and California and Arizona and Nevada? That thing is hitting right now. Uh, who knows how long it's been since a hurricane has hit that area? Um, and it says that it's going to be a catastrophic hur- uh, hurricane. Some of you are people of a certain age, like me, who can remember back to 2005 when Hurricane Katrina blew into New Orleans. Y'all remember that? Man, Katrina blew into New Orleans, and, and, and I can remember being in a Sunday school class in 2005, and the buzz in the room that morning was, man, are y'all watching the news? This, this hurricane's coming, and it says it's headed right for some big cities. What's going to happen? 
And in the aftermath, we know that that storm blew in and Katrina just destroyed the levees and destroyed New Orleans and destroyed lives. Nearly 2,000 people lost their lives in Katrina. Countless others were just displaced from their homes. People had to leave the area around New Orleans and go to places like Houston and Dallas and start new lives. Homes were completely demolished. All because of a storm that came. All because of a storm that came. And, and, and that's, a, that's a physical storm, and it's so powerful and it's so attacking. But what about the spiritual storms? What about the emotional storms? What about the personal storm? Like the cool thing about a hurricane, man, the cool thing about a snowstorm, whatever, is we have people who, who will tell us that this thing is coming. Come on, y'all know how this works. Let somebody say it's going to be one flake of snow. Oh, uh, you know what's it meant? It, it, look, we're going to get the milk. We're going to get the bread. We're going to get the lucky charms. We're going to get the ice cream. Don't let it be some toilet paper because we might need that too, right? Let it be one flake of snow. But we have, we have forecasters that tell us that. And so even in 2005, they were telling us ahead of time that, that Katrina was coming. Don't you wish that in your life you had something that would pop up an app on your phone that says you're about to get into a storm in your life today, right? These things don't have no app. Don't you wish that app would, would ting and say your boss is coming in on Monday morning. His wife has been on him all weekend. He's been drinking since Thursday night and he's about to take it out on you. But you don't get that warning. You walk into that all sunshine and roses and, 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 and rainbows thinking, oh, man, praise the Lord, had a great day at church. And that brother hits you upside the head, takes it out on you. Don't you wish you had an app that told you that, 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 that be prepared because as you're driving to work this week, you're, 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 you're going you're gonna to get distracted looking at your phone. And you're going to run off the road and you're going to hit a mailbox and you're going to run into a tree and you're going to be in the hospital. It's going to take you four years to recover financially. Storms of life. We don't get any warning for those kinds of things. We don't get any heads up for those. The thing about it, Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Somebody needs to hear that this morning because some of you are experiencing that trouble that this life has to offer right now. And the truth of it is, man, just like those lives that were lost in Katrina, just like those homes that were blown apart, your mind is being destroyed. Your peace is being ravaged. Your, your, your spirit is being ripped apart. And could it be that all of that is happening because Jesus is in the boat with you, but you haven't taken the time to wake him up? Fight that thing on your own. Well, what do I do when I'm in a storm? That's, that, that's what I want to talk about to start off with. What should I do when I'm in a storm? I want to give you three things that, that you can do if you, if you acknowledge and realize that you're in a storm right now. I think this is going to be helpful. Number one, what do I do? Well, I get Jesus involved in my storm. I get Jesus involved in my storm. Verses 37, I'll read it again. It says, a furious squall came up. Now, Sea of Galilee these men, we know Peter was a fisherman. These men were accustomed to being on the water, being on the Sea of Galilee. And they were accustomed to just uh, violent weather changes that would take place with, with no warning and no time. And they, they, these guys knew how to handle the boat. They knew what they were not new to being out on the Sea of Galilee. They'd pass back and forth probably many, many, many times. 
But this thing blew up and it was like nothing they had ever seen. It was hurricane force winds and waves. And they're out there in a little wooden rickety boat trying to get to the other side. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Well, the storm blows in and Jesus is asleep in the, in the back of the boat. And they, they wake him up. Don't you care if we drown? Jesus is asleep. Here's the thing that you have to realize about our God. Circumstances don't affect God. Jesus is God. And the circumstances that were going on in that boat and that wind and that wave, we don't know what's going to happen. So we freak out. Anybody here sitting beside somebody that has a tendency to freak out a little bit? <laughs> right, right, right. We, we freak out a little bit when things come up. God's not freaking out. You might be going through the story of your life right now and can't even remember how to spell your middle name if you can even remember what it is. And God's not freaked out about what you're going through. Matter of fact, Jesus is going to take him a hot nap right now. Look like as good a time as any. Sleep in the back of the boat. Why not? I'm tired. Well, they said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Well, that's a dumb question because this is the same Jesus who has pursued every one of these men, called them out of the lives that they were in, their, their, their lives of, of just, just everyday lives, and he called them into eternity, called them into, dude, get this. This is 2023, and we are reading the story of these men who without Jesus would have died long, 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 long years ago. Nobody would have ever known their name. They would have paid their bills and raised their kids and gone to soccer practice and whatever, and they would have disappeared into history. Jesus loved them. He cared about them. He called them out of their lives into something important. Can I say something to you this morning? He loves you. He cares about you. He's calling you out of your life, and he's calling you into something important. He cares that much about you. Man, what I see is that, that, that the storm is not going to affect Jesus. It's going to affect his guys. And he doesn't intervene until they ask him. He doesn't intervene until they ask him. And you may be in a storm right now. Have you had these kinds of thoughts in your mind, thoughts that say, God, where are you? God, do you not care what I'm going through? That's what they're asking. Do you not care if we drown? What happened as soon as they woke him and said, do you not care? He got up. Because why? Because he was invited in. Can I ask you a question? The storm that you're going through right now, have you invited Jesus to come in and do his thing? Have you invited God in to help you? Or are you just so consumed with telling the whole world about how terrible your life is and crying and worrying and writhing and shaking your hands and staying awake all night and worrying yourself to death, but you've never thought to wake Jesus up and say, hey, could you help a brother out over here for a minute? That's what they just did. And we read the story, so you know what's going to happen, man. How silly would it be to capsize and drown in the middle of a storm when you had Jesus in the boat with you. Now that sounds silly. How many of us are living that thing out right now? Let me tell you a quick story. I hate telling this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I hope it helps somebody. Several years ago, my dad and I got into this, this uh, season where things went sideways with us. Uh, without going into all the details, there were some things that happened. And so I lived 
uh, I was living in Eden at the time. He lives out near Asheville, North Carolina, three and a half hours away, whatever. And we got into this, this season where he made some assumptions about what I thought about some things, what I felt, how I was acting in some certain situations. He made some assumptions that were incorrect, and he got really mad at me to the point where he wouldn't talk to me. And we went through probably, I don't know, a year, year and a half, two years or something where we didn't talk. And it was very awkward, and it was a relational storm. You ever been in one of those seasons where somebody close to you, man, somebody you should be, you know, interacting with and having life with, and it's just crickets? That's hard. And I would go home to visit my parents, and I would talk with my mom, and my dad would sit there not saying a word to me. And, man, I didn't know what to do. I did not know what to do. All I knew was that it was eating me up inside. It was eating me up inside. I didn't know how to fix it. And it was on me every day. And it was this, this source of tension. And so one day I took some advice from someone that said, you got to call him. You got to talk to him. I left work, went home, pulled up in my driveway, sat in that car for God knows how long, talking to God. And I said, Lord, I don't want to make this phone call. I don't want to call him because I don't know how he's going to react. And the truth of it is I really haven't done what he thinks I've done but he's convinced that I, I don't want to make the phone call. You ever been there? But in that moment, if I could tell you one thing today, in that moment, I sat there and I made up my mind, I can chicken out on this thing and just go back to work and say, Psh, it is what it is and we'll just be separated forever. Or God, I can trust you. Picked up the phone and I made the phone call. I made the phone call. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, Second thing, number one, we got to invite Jesus in. Second thing, I let Jesus fight my storm. I let Jesus fight my storm. In verse 39, Mark records that Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. You know what jumps off the page of me about this? When he says they woke him up. How many of y'all hate to be woken up, man? Oh, man, let a brother sleep, right? Uh, if I'm in there, you know, I, I, I used to have this alarm that would go off in the morning and I had that thing set and the time would hit and that thing would go, whack, whack, whack. I hate that alarm. Now I found this thing on my phone that it will wake me calmly and it's Jeffrey, time to get up is what that thing's whispering to me. Don't be yelling in my ear alarm. They trying to get a lung to be asleep. Jesus is asleep, man. And, and I kind of, in a little teeny tiny way, I kind of get it because on Sunday afternoons, after I've, I've studied all week and prepared and can't wait to see y'all, and I just try my best to pour it out and give you everything I've got on Sunday and two services, by the time I leave here, man, I'll hold my eye open trying to get home. It is an emotional drain. And Jesus has been doing this, and I get it that he's fully God, but guess what? He's also fully human. And Jesus was exhausted because of what he's doing. And so he's asleep, and they come, and they're shaking him. Jesus, you got to get up. Man, we're going to die. Jesus, get up. And Jesus wakes up, and notice what it says. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, he did not rebuke the men. I love that. They're, they're going nuts. And he could have easily said, are you crazy? Would you leave me? He didn't say anything. He rebuked the wind and the waves because he loved the men. And he said to the waves, quiet, be still. It does not say he shouted. 
It doesn't say he had to stand on the, on the bow of the boat and scream into the wind. It says he said to the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. And then this hurricane force died down and it was completely calm. Wow. Did you know that Jesus has the ability to do that in the situation that you're going through in your life right now? There are things that some of you are facing that you don't see how there is any way that it's going to work out. You, you don't see how it could ever be repaired. You don't see how things could ever be good again, how things could ever be the same again. You don't see how there could be a future for you. And these men were facing impending death. Maybe just like you are. And they spoke to Jesus and they invited him in and he spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves and all of, all of that just went right away. Sometimes we just need to get out of the way and let the Lord work. So with my dad, back to that story for just a minute, I made the phone call. He answered. I didn't think he would answer. And we talked for a minute and I called him up and I said, man, I just need to talk to you. We hadn't talked in a long time. And I know there are some things that I've done that have hurt you. And I'm sorry. And I want things to be better between us. I want us to have a relationship. Bro, I didn't know what to say. I was trying my best to just talk to him, to do what I could. I, so I'm, I'm sitting here pouring my heart out. I want to make things better. I'm sorry for what I've done. And on the other end of the line was crickets. And he told me, well, you just need to get on with your life. And he basically hung up on me right then. Not exactly how I had expected it. Here's why I'm telling you this. Because I got to see God do something amazing through that. When, when, when that phone hung up and I sat there and I scratched my head, I thought, what, what, what just happened here? God, that's not the way I thought this was going to go. I scratched my head and there's a couple of things that happened. One is, I knew that I had prayed and talked with the Lord and said, Lord, for whatever I've done, I'm sorry. Show me my part in this and I'll own it. Number two, I had reached out to him and said, I'm sorry. You matter more to me than whatever beef we have going on. I want to fix it. He did not reciprocate. You know what that did? That gave me freedom because I had confessed it before God and I'd said what I needed to to him, I can't control how he responds to what I say to him. You understand what I'm saying? And so, so was I still heartbroken because the relationship wasn't there? Yes, I was. But here's the third thing that I saw with that. Every day, and I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say every day, every day after that, he would come to my mind and I would stop because I would feel this anxiety starting to build in me. Somebody had taught me a long time ago that 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And, and this thought that was coming to my mind was destroying me mentally. It was, it was, it was bringing anxiety. And I could feel my heart start beating. I could, I could feel myself starting to say things in my mind. He's so da-da-da. He always does this. He never does this. When you catch yourself having that conversation, you're already circling the drain. When you start catching yourself having those conversations in your mind, stop, take those thoughts captive, start talking to the Lord, say, God, I'm not having these thoughts. Get these thoughts out of my mind. I began doing that, 
And day after day after day, as those thoughts of my dad came, instead of me ripping them apart in my mind, because all that would have done was created more animosity and bitterness and hardness in my heart, I began praying for him. Here's the third thing that happened was over the course of time with me praying for him day after day after day, it was like, it was like I was saying, Jesus, can you get in here? And I stepped back in the boat and Jesus stepped forward. And when I stepped back and he stepped forward, he went to work doing things that I could not do. I go to my dad's house one day, my mom's house. Actually, I was going to see mama. He can sit there and recliner all day if he wants to. Amen. I'm sitting there talking to my mom. My dad's sitting there in the recliner. He says, walk outside with me. We need to talk. Okay. We walk outside. He looks me in the eye and he says, I got to tell you something. I know that I have not treated you right over these last couple of years. And I'm sorry. And I want to ask you to forgive me. What? My dad was a big man and a hard man. And I've seen him flip that switch off with lots of people and never turn it back on again. That was, without a doubt, the work of the Lord turning his heart around. And it happened, I believe, because I said, Jesus, would you get in and I'm going to get back. That's what happened. And he'll do that for you too. But it took some time. See, see, we want to invite Jesus in and we want him to fix everything right now. We like some microwave stuff, huh? Microwave popcorn, come on, bring it on down here. I'll eat the whole bag of it. Fix it now. But sometimes it takes a little time. Why, why does God not fix things right now? Because he wants you to keep coming to him every day. If he had fixed my dad's situation right then, I would have, whoo, thank you, Lord. Now, what time the Panthers play today, right? All with my life. But when you keep coming to him every day, and then when he moves something and you see God move, it brings your faith to a level you've never experienced before. And you believe in God and you follow God and you want to tell people about God. That's what he's doing in your storm right now. He is waiting on you. When the disciples were fighting the storm, Jesus was asleep in the stern. When Jesus was fighting the storm, the disciples were able to sit back and watch. What are you doing with your storm right now? Are you fighting it on your own or are you bringing Jesus into it? Wow, he will fight it. I had to learn to lean into Jesus and that's my third thing. I lean into Jesus by remembering who he is. I remember who he is in, in verses 40 and 41. Jesus said to the disciples, why, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I mean, y'all seen me do over and over and over. And they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They've seen Jesus do so many things and they would see him do so much even more than this. But they were still amazed at who he is. Um, we have the benefit of the Bible. It tells us the whole story. We have the benefit of 2,000 years past Jesus looking back on. We know who Jesus is. We've heard the stories. Why do we not believe he will do it? Why do we not believe he can get involved in our situation and turn things around? Why do we believe that we have to handle it all on our own? Man, if you're going through a storm today, I want to encourage you. Lean into Jesus. Talk to him. Say, Jesus, I need you. Give him the ability to step in. And then you step back and you're stepping back is actually you leaning in and letting him do the work. And you stay behind Jesus and have faith that believes that he's going to change things. And if it takes you praying today, then pray today. If it takes you praying tomorrow, keep praying tomorrow. If you have to keep praying the next day and the next day and the next month and the next year, keep praying, keep trusting and watch him 
tear down the walls. Anybody here today that would, would stand up and just give God a big hand clap of praise because he's torn things down in your life? Hey, yes, 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 yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Telling you this to bring faith to your heart to believe that he can and he will. Now, I've told you what to do in a storm. Three things very quickly that I should not do when I'm in a storm. What should I not do when I'm in a storm? Number one, I cannot isolate. I cannot isolate. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. Mr. T says, Pity the fool. That, that's not in the Bible. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. That passage goes on and says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. But when, when things get going hard, get going terrible, we have this, this tendency to pull back from everybody. Man, my life is blown all apart. I don't want to see anybody. If I, if I go around them, they're just going to want something from me. They're going to ask me how I'm doing. I'm fine. No, you're not. Well, I don't want to be around them. I don't want them to ask me how I'm doing, so I'm just going to pull back. Be alert and sober. Beware of your great enemy, the devil, who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You know who he's going to devour? That little antelope that gets cut apart from the herd that's out there limping along on its own. You don't see Mama Lion hiding down in the, in the, in the grass, but she sees you. And she sees you all alone having your little pity party over there in the ground. Don't nobody like me no more. Shoot, I'm going through all this stuff. Don't nobody care. Ain't nobody call me. Don't nobody text me. I ain't messing with them. Shoot, I got to go to this Walmart and get these groceries. I'm going to get in and get out. I'm doing 1130 night so don't nobody mess with me. I shoot, don't nobody care about my stuff over here all by yourself. And the devil said, hey, boys, he calls his demons. Hey, guys, come here. You see what's going on? He, he hadn't been in church in a month now. And he hadn't read his Bible doesn't pray, uh, kind of separated himself from his friends. So, so we've been waiting on him. You know, you know, a few years ago, he was on fire for the Lord and he was telling people about Jesus and we couldn't stop him from being saved. But now we have introduced this junk into his life and he, he ain't talked to God in forever. Now we got him. Go get him, boys. You think hell has come into your life already? Let the enemy know that you're going through something. Watch how he unleashes the demonic army into your life to destroy you. You want to fight that by yourself? No, you do not. You better get Jesus in that thing quick. You cannot isolate. When you pull back on your old man, you, you, you are a target. You need godly friends. That's why we have C groups. You need to come to church. You need to sing those songs that make the tears leak out the corner of your eyes. Why is it that when they start singing, I start rubbing my eyes up here? That's God in the room, man. When I pray in this house for the Holy Spirit to fill this place, it's so that we experience his power and his presence. We come in here together even when we're hurting. Don't be that person that only comes to church when you feel good. Come to church when you're having the worst day of your life. My man Marshall sitting right here. God bless you, Marshall. Lost his mom this week in a, in a terrible, hard way. Uh, lung issues, breathing issues. I talked to him right before the service. He lost his mom, was right there with her through every step of it. Man, I honor you guys, Natasha, for being here today. And, 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 and it's hard to come out when it's like that. I honor you guys for coming to church. God bless you guys, man. God bless you. 
When we isolate, man, we're saying, God, I don't need you. I got this on my own and nothing could be further from the truth. Second thing that I cannot do when I'm in a storm, I cannot trust my heart. What? What did you say, Jeff? That's right. Jeremiah 17, 9. Not Jeff Lynch 17, 9. Jeremiah 17, 9. Says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Man, I hear people all the time say, well, just trust your little pee-picking heart and you'll be fine. Just trust your heart. Bro, you better not trust that heart. That heart's going to tell you what's going to feel good. That heart's going to tell you everything that you want. And what that heart's not going to tell you is that, 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 that if you run into that thing that you want so badly, it's going to destroy you. You don't need to trust your heart. You need to trust God's word. You need to know God's word. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light for my path. Another quick story. Quick being a relative term, okay? Come on. When Jackie Lynch and I started seeing each other, um, we've been married seven years, is that right? Seven years. Three of the best years of my life. Just kidding. <laughs> JK, JK. <laughs> when we started seeing each other, um, I mean, a lot of y'all know our story. We, we, we had both been married before, and so we were piecing this thing together. And I won't go through all the details of it, but when we started seeing each other, there was this whole storm that came up around us. And we, man, we, we were really just crazy about each other, but we had people telling us that, that y'all two don't need to be together. You, you know, this is a riot, blah, 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 all of this stuff. And we had all of these voices going on, people telling us, do this, don't do this. Some people for us, some people against us, all of this noise. And at some point in that whole thing, I, I told Jackie, I said, I got to pull back. I just, I just need a minute. I, I need some time. And if I'm honest with you, when, when, when I didn't know what to do, and I'm being honest with you, man, um, I take this thing of being a pastor seriously. And so I, I thought, I've got to go to the Bible and see what it says about me being married again. I got to see what it says about a pastor remarried. All of these things. I got all these people who have all of these opinions and I took some time and I said, God, you got to show me the way on this. And I started reading my Bible. I got a whole list of, of passages of scripture that the Bible says about marriage and remarriage and qualifications for a pastor. I started reading uh, people that, 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 that I knew and had respected for years and it kind of built a base of knowledge. And then I felt like I trusted their opinions on things. And, and I would read what they would say and I read scripture. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Don't trust your heart. My heart was telling me I'm crazy about that woman right there. But with my hand up, man, I had to make a decision. God, if you're not in that, as much as I love her, you've called me to follow you. And if I have to walk away from her, it'll break my heart. But God, I'll walk away. And I was in the middle of one of these storms one Sunday morning. It's the worst I've ever been. And I had to get on a stage that morning. I called her that morning. I said, we, we got to break this thing apart because I'm not, I'm not convinced that we're supposed to be together right now. And we basically broke up on a Sunday morning, cried my eyes out, y'all. Big baby, I know. And I got up on that stage and I felt like God was saying, that's your Isaac. If you're not willing to put Isaac on the altar, then she becomes your God. I said, I can't do that. I can't do that. And so I got on that stage that morning. I said, Lord, 
You alone are God. Whatever comes next, you alone. You know, God honored that. He brought us back together. He gave us life. He gave us love. He gave us family. He gave us grandchildren. He gave us ministry. And I believe that's because I didn't trust my heart. My heart wanted her, but it couldn't want her more than I wanted God. You can't want anything more than you want God. I can't trust my heart. Third thing, last thing, I cannot give up. I cannot give up. Galatians 6, 9, very familiar passage says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Well, giving up can look like a lot of things. Some of you are going through a health crisis right now. The doctor has told you, if you don't stop smoking, then your lungs are going to just be destroyed. And maybe you stop for a month, a day, a week, but then it's like, man, I can't tell any things get better. Bro, it's only been eight hours. Give it a minute, right? So, so, so instead of continuing on with what you know to do, you just light up again. Some of us have decided we got to lose weight, right? And we, we decide we got to lose weight and we, and we do good for a week and then we give up. Some of us get in debt and we decide, man, I got I to fight this mountain of debt that I've got in front of me. And I do good for a couple of months and I stop my spending and I stop my thing. And then I just give up and I swipe the card and get everything I want. Some of us look at our life and we think this is too hard and I don't want to be here and they would be better off without me. And it's a lie from the pit of hell. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. 